The Pittsburgh Penguins sit atop the Metropolitan Division after a 5-2 win against the Calgary Flames on Saturday night. And Pat and I are going to recap that game for you all right after this. You're locked on Penguins. Your daily podcast on the Pittsburgh Penguins. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome back to another episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Hunter Hodes, joined by the best co-host in the world, Patrick Tamp, who is back for this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast after a one-episode hiatus. You can follow me on Twitter at Hunter Hodes. You can follow Pat on Twitter at Cinnamon for Wet. And you can follow the show's Twitter at LO underscore Penguins. Of course, thank you all so much for making this your first listen slash watch of the day. And today's episode is brought to you by Sleeper. Download the Sleeper app and use promo code LOCKEDONNHL to get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. So, Penguins 5, Flames 2 in a game that did not look like it was going to go the Penguins way heading into the third period. It's funny, on my preview Friday night into Saturday morning, I said, the days of Daryl Sutter hockey in Calgary are over. Well, even though Daryl Sutter... It's not the head coach of the Calgary Flames anymore. They played like he was in those first two periods. It was a very boring watch. Alex Nedeljkovic was keeping the Penguins in it. Even though they were getting some chances on Markstrom, he wasn't lending anything by him. But then the third period, everything flipped. And the main reason for that, the opening shift by Sidney Crosby. was trying to go on his backhand, fell down a little bit, but he chased the puck below the dots into behind the net area. Got the puck back to the point. Latang fires it to the net. Brian Ross with a 200 IQ play. Banks it off. Markstrom's padded in. And then the floodgates open. You have Malkin's beautiful pass to Riley Smith. You have Chris Latang's insane pass to Jake Gensel to get his first of the year. I hope everyone chronicled that pass, by the way. And the floodgates just absolutely opened again after that Sidney Crosby shift. I thought that third period was some great hockey by the Penguins. In my opinion, they lose that game if this was last season. But they showed a different level in that third period that they never really showed during back-to-backs, especially last year, and it was really encouraging to see. Yeah, three games in, and I know you recapped the Capitals game Friday, so I'm not going to get too deep into it. But I do want to say that there is a consistent theme between these two victories for the Penguins, and it's resiliency, like you said. It's the fact that, in the Caps game, first period, Caps come out, hair on fire, punch Penguins metaphorically in the mouth. Penguins respond, come back, get a win. Same thing on Saturday. The Calgary Flames come out, they play a smothering defense, defensive kind of game, and that's a, te- that's a game that last season and even prior to last season we've seen the Penguins usually don't respond well to because we know how these rosters are built. They're built to score goals. They're, play to pl- they're built to play up-tempo hockey. They're built to push the pace. And when they get locked in those defensive battles, they get a little frustrated. So big, big four points in the bank over a back-to-back stretch. And you can see this because the Penguins themselves have been talking about something we've been talking about on this show. And it's the importance of banking those early season points so you give yourself more of a cushion at the end of the season. So taking four points in a back-to-back, especially one of those games being against the divisional rival, huge. And 
I really liked their game on Saturday night in the third period, and I really liked their game in the second and third against the Capitals. I agree. And just going off that point about banking points, Kenny Malkin said that to the media over the weekend, saying two points right now, it's just as much as it would be February, March, or April. So you're right. You have to bank those points down. We saw what happened during the early parts of last season where the Penguins weren't banking some points at times, especially against some meta teams in the standings, and that played a role down the stretch. And you, you look at the Flames, I like them. I don't think they're a playoff team, but they still have talent. The way the Penguins are able to really defend that lead in the third period was also really encouraging. I honestly think these last two games, they have been defending leads really well once they get them. They're not sitting back. They're getting into that 1-2-2 neutral zone trap that Mike Sullivan instilled upon this team when he took over late 2015 into 2016. It's great that he's still having, even though some of these players are new, he's still having them get into that system. And once the Penguins get into that 1-2-2 trap, there's just nothing going for the opposition. You saw that against Washington and you saw that against Calgary. And I know the Penguins had a lot of trouble defending third period leads last year. It wasn't good against Chicago last week, but these last two games, it looks like they've taken those struggles last year and against Chicago pretty personally. And that's the level of play I want to see in the third period when they get a lead later on this season. Well, and again, I, we got to keep having the caveat here. Very early, three games. Right. But the one big 180 that I've seen from last season, from the Chicago game into these past two games, is that it does have a vibe similar to those 16 and 17 teams when this team gets a lead. Last year, we saw this a lot. Part of the reason that they struggled to defend leads is because they went into a shell. They went into a defensive shell. They sat back. They let the game come to them rather than taking the game to the opposition. You look at the wins against the Capitals and the Flames. It didn't matter if they were up two, three, or whatever, however many goals. They kept pushing the pace. They played that 1-2-2 two, two neutral zone trap, made the neutral zone a quagmire for the opposition, but once they got possession of the puck in the neutral zone, they weren't happy to just get possession, put it deep, kill the clock, and hope that the other team doesn't come back. They put the puck deep and attacked, and they kept bringing the game to the opposition. And that's one of the biggest things that you have to do in the modern-day NHL because there's more talent in this league than there ever has been at any time, in my opinion. So – Going into a defensive shell, especially when you're not built to play that kind of hockey, is asking to lose games. So seeing them continue to pressure, continue to play physical to the way they play physical, and putting shots on the net, even with a lead, is going to pay dividends for this team, especially when you consider they're in one of the most competitive divisions in the National Hockey League. So when they play those games against Metro opponents and they get a lead and keep pressing – that's going to only help them in the stretch run. And you saw that for sure against Calgary, even after Riley Smith got his second goal. And, you know, credit to Jesse Marshall on this. He said this on Twitter. The goals are going to come like an avalanche. And so far they have because he's been getting grade A quality chances all season so far. And I know it's only been three games, but the puck is finally starting to go in the back of the net. But after that, Gensel scores to make it 3-1. And then I loved Evgeny Malkin's patience on the fourth goal, waits out the defender, sees him slide down to take away the pass. And Malkin's like, you know what? I'm going to fire a pass check of Markstrom. He does just that to really put the game away there. And speaking of Evgeny Malkin, 
what a start to the season. Six points in three games. Had that hilarious quote saying, I'll wake up tomorrow morning and I'll win the Hart Trophy with him and Austin Matthews at the leading the league in points right now. They're tied. And he has been on another level to start the year. And it's amazing to see. Everyone is always thinking, the people that don't watch the Penguins, oh, when is he going to fall off? When is he going to fall off? Same with Sidney Crosby. Well, for me, they're going to keep playing like this until they're 40-41 at this rate. <laughs> yeah, I don't know about the long-term prospects of it. And the slumps are going to come. They right. they come for everybody. Everybody goes a handful of games, two, three, four games, where either you just don't get the bounces you need or for some reason the game starts to fall off a little bit. But through three games, I mean, Crosby, Malkin, Latang, Carlson, Gensel – these guys have been looking as advertised and as they have for their careers. And again, like I said, that's a big thing early in the season because we know that there is going to be a game against a bottom feeder team in January or February where the players themselves, we as fans are going to just go, Oh God, we have to play this game and they're not going to look great. But if you have those points in the bank, it you have more of a cushion for those games where the slumps come or you just have an off night. I agree. And that's going to be coming up sooner rather than later. You know, it's that January game against, I haven't checked the schedule. I'm just throwing this out there. The Ducks, the Sharks, obviously someone like that. But just going back to Malkin for just a second, his back checking has been unbelievable. His And he's not known for his defensive play, but the way that he's been able to take the puck away from opposing players fire the puck down the ice, especially for that Riley Smith goal against the Capitals. That was a thing of beauty. He comes in on the two-on-one with Riley, fires the puck to Riley, puts it past Jacob Markstrom. The chemistry between them is definitely there. And it's looking kind of like the chemistry with James Neal, to be honest. I I get a lot of James Neal flashbacks with Gino when I watch him and Riley Smith. Yeah, it, that has been the chemistry has been immediate with those two, and it's great. And and having a guy like Raquel there with them is is only going to help. And to keep it on the James Neal train for this, he said it best about Evgeny Malkin when James Neal was here. Evgeny Malkin's one of the better players in the league when he plays like a bully, and that's what he's been playing like through three games. And it doesn't mean he's out there blowing guys up and throwing huge hits or doing anything like that. It's just him taking the game over and, you know, he, he back checks hard and whoever he on the opposition, he says without saying, this is my puck, not yours. I'm taking it and going the other way. And we've seen that, especially in the Capitals and Flames games. So this is a very encouraging start for Evgeny Malkin. He was spicy in that game against the Flames. He was going out Nikita Zadorov quite often. They were probably cussing at each other in Russian throughout that game. When you have angry Gino, he's usually going to do something, and he sure did in that game against the Flames. One last thing before we head to break, though. Shout out Alex Ndelkovic. He was tremendous in that game against the Flames, already looking like an upgrade over Casey DeSmith. I was noticing him use his stick quite often, I think, in that game. He's pretty active with that thing, but he also just made some really nice saves on the grade-A chances that the Flames had, especially on the power play in the first two periods. His movement, I thought, looked really solid. Just played a good game. And if the Penguins want to get back to the playoffs this year, they're going to have to win games when Tristan Jari is not starting. This is a good start. Yeah, very positionally sound game from Alex Nadelkovich. And listeners, I'm not comparing the two, so don't come at me for this one. 
But Casey DeSmith was a lot like early year Marc-Andre Fleury, where it was all athleticism. It was not very fluid movement. It was relying on being athletic to make saves. Whereas now with Alex Nedeljkovic, you have a very positionally sound goaltender who's where he needs to be to make the saves he needs to make. And again, only one game against a team that, in my opinion, doesn't have a ton of snipers or big goal scorers. But if he can keep the workload off of Tristan Jari, to keep Tristan Jari in that 50 to 55 game range going into the postseason, that's a net positive for this team. And it'll give Jari more time off, more rest, have him in a good spot going into the playoffs. Yeah, if he's playing well, he's not going to have to just play the back-to-backs because there, you know, there are quite a few back-to-backs that the Penguins have this year. But if he does play well, he can start the game, say, against one of the more meh teams in the league and give Tristan a night off if he's playing really well this year too. And he's been great to start the year in his first two games. So I would like to see that happen if Nadelkovich keeps playing well. But all in all, A-plus stuff from him on Saturday night. He'll get more starts going forward. But that would do it for this first segment. Coming up in the second segment, Are Pat and I concerned about the bottom six so far? Well, we're going to tell you all about that. But before we get to that, we got to tell you all about Sleeper, which is the official daily fantasy app of the Locked On NHL Network. Sleeper is our top choice for fantasy sports, especially daily fantasy hockey. With Sleeper, you can win 100 times your cash in daily fantasy hockey contests. You can do it with a group or just your friends. It's so good. You can chat with your friends while making your lineups. Everyone loves that. And with studs like... Connor McDavid, Sidney Crosby, Kale McCarr, Eric Carlson, Jason Robertson, Leon Dreisaitl, etc. All you need to do is really just pick stats for these stars. You can choose them like goals, assists. If you want to put a goalie in there like Ilya Sorokin or Igor Shosturkin, you can do saves. Heck, you can do plus minus for all you care. But, and you heard me, Penguins fans, you can get 100 times payouts on sleepers to start paying attention and get your picks right so you could win big. Use promo code LOCKEDONNHL and you'll get up to a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. That's LOCKEDONNHL. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. All right, we're back here on this episode of the Locked On Penguins podcast. I'm Hunter Hodes, joined by Patrick Damp. As always, thank you all so much for making this your first listen slash watch of the day. So, granted again, it's only been three games, very small sample size. But I think the bottom six, definitely not good so far. And I say it with this. You cannot have all of your goals scored by six to eight players. And I'll throw Chris Letang and Eric Carlson in there because they are going to get their share really soon. But you cannot have all your goals scored by your top six forwards. Riley Smith, Jake Gensel, Brian Russ, Ricard Raquel, Sidney Crosby, Evgeny Malkin, of course. Sooner or later, the bottom six is going to have to contribute when the top six doesn't have it. And so far, Pat, we haven't seen that. I feel like the third line really hasn't been in the offensive zone that much these first three games. Heck, the fourth line really hasn't either. The only time I really saw the fourth line in the offensive zone during these first few games is when Jeff Carter got a breakaway, had a really nice takeaway on that Flames player, gets the puck, comes in, fires it 100 feet over the net. I feel like my grandma could have gotten a shot on net there, to be honest. So you get your chance there, but you fire it way over the net. It's just that unit, it's really lacking right now, especially offensively. And we knew going into the season that it was going to be a challenge for this unit to bring offense on a consistent basis, but it's got to be better than this, even though it's only been three games. Yeah, I'm not going to get too concerned about it just yet. It's three games. Uh, 
you know, but the thing I will say is two of the three opponents, not great. It was Washington. That is, you know, not to steal any thunder They're from our bad buddy. man. They look really bad, but, but not to steal any thunder from our, our pal, Chris Carter over at locked on Steelers. That is very similar to Steelers Ravens. Penguins capitals is the game where you, you take, you take the records, you take the stats, you toss them out the window because it's a rivalry game. But I will say this in the Penguins Capitals game, the bottom six was the reason they got back in that game because they came out in the second period, played very solid, put pressure on the Capitals defense and opposing forwards. And it was like I said, it's like I've been saying all summer if they're not going to score, which right now they have, their only thing they need to do is wear down opponents. So when you throw the Crosby line or the Malkin line over the boards, that opposing off that opposing team is tired. And that's exactly what happened against the Caps. When when the Penguins got back in the game against the Caps, even though that the Capitals hadn't scored but controlled the territorial advantage for the whole first period, they went out and they just played a fast, aggressive game against the Capitals, which set it up for them to be tired, get the big guns out there, they go out and score. They go out there, they draw a penalty, the, uh, the power play comes out and does well. But that's one game, and they were not good against Calgary. They were not good against Chicago. And the thing I will say, though, small sample size, three games, I've liked the games of most of the players, and it breaks my heart, but Jeff Carter has been bad. Yes. He has been really bad. And I don't know how much longer Mike Sullivan can let this happen. It, eventually you just have to take the sunk cost and just say, Jeff, we love you. You're great in the room. You're a great veteran leader. You've done, you've had a hell of a career, but we got to sit you down for somebody else. Cause you are not playing an acceptable brand of hockey. And we said heading into the season that, you know, it would be great if Carter could turn back the clock a little bit. That's definitely not happening here. I mean, in that game against the Capitals right after Sidney Crosby scored his first goal to make it two nothing, Mike Sullivan threw out the Carter line. And what do you know? They were hemmed in the defensive zone for a minute and a half, two minutes. Even though there's two new faces on that line, that's not the line you want to send over when you have all the momentum. It feels like every time that line gets sent out there, and I like Noel Chari. I think he's had a really solid start despite not scoring. Matt Nieto, I think he's been fine, okay, to be honest. Anytime that line gets sent over, it's just hemmed in in the defensive zone. And I think... A large, well, the biggest reason for that is Carter. He just doesn't have it anymore. And I, I don't think he can play every game this season if he stays healthy. That's just unrealistic at this point. He's going to have to be scratched at some point this year. He's just not bringing anything tangible in the offensive and the defensive zone. You can look at the stats. You can look at the eye test. I don't know what he's bringing. I, I, I wish I did. And I know Mike Sullivan must see something there with Carter. Maybe it's his ability to take, to take face-offs when needed. Maybe it's his ability to play in the defensive zone to try to shut down the opposition, but that's not happened so far. I just wish I knew what he saw in him because it's not there in these first three games. And don't ever, uh, don't ever discount the factor of pride. If he gets scratched for a handful of games, maybe it wakes him up. Maybe it kind of tells him, hey, listen, I got to get better. I have to be better. And I think maybe that's what the, the answer is here. But I will say on the whole with the bottom six, 
I'm not pressing the panic button yet, but my hand is hovering right over it. Like I'm, I'm not ready to hit it yet, but uh, it's close. It's close for me too. I, I, again, we knew going into this year, it was going to be a challenge for them to get offense on a consistent basis. But if this is still the same after this week's games, which we'll get to in a few minutes after next week's games, I think it's time to push the panic button a little bit. Maybe start bringing some buses of players from Wilkes-Barre over, like a Redeem Zahorna, like, I don't know, maybe a Vinny Hinnestros or something like that, because the bottom six right now, it's just not working. I was high on Jansen Harkins heading into the season. I thought he had a great last week of camp. I thought he had a great preseason. So far, I don't think he's really meshed into that third-line role. He hasn't brought enough offense. He hasn't done enough in the defensive zone. I kind of think he's been a bit nervous to be on the third line, just the way I'm watching him. He seems to be, I guess, overthinking it when he has the puck on his stick. I think him in a fourth-line role would be better. You want to move up someone from that fourth line. I don't know. Maybe it's Nieto or Achari or something like that. But I just don't think Harkins is made for a third line role right now. You know, maybe you want to even call up Zahorna as an extra forward, send one of the defensemen down, whether it's John Ludwig or Ryan Jay or something like that. But I just haven't seen enough from him. Drew O'Connor, I want to see the offense start coming from him. I predicted big things for him this year. Hasn't happened yet. It's only been three games, but I still want to see more from him overall. But again, sooner than later, they're going to need a big goal from this unit when the top players just do not have it. Yeah, and you're right about the next two weeks with this bottom six, because we're going to talk about the week ahead in more in depth after this, but Detroit and St. Louis this week, this coming week, those are two very winnable games. Detroit's okay. St. Louis is not that great, but then the week after it's three games against three very good teams, Dallas, Colorado, and those are three very good teams. And there is going to be little margin for error. So the bottom six has to figure it out this week. I agree with you. I do think this week is going to go a long way towards seeing what this bottom six can do heading into next week. You just referenced those three teams. They're a combined five and one to start the year. We all know Dallas and Colorado are no joke. They're going to be playoff teams in the Western Conference this year, assuming they don't have a massive wrath of injuries. But Ottawa, this is a franchise that hasn't made the playoffs in over five years. This team is gunning for a playoff spot this year, and they just beat the doors off the Tampa Bay Lightning this weekend. That's going to be a pretty tough game. Even though all three are at home, they're going to be very tough, especially the game against Ottawa. But that will do it for this second segment. Coming up to end the show, Pat and I are going to look at the week ahead, doing a small preview for the game against the Red Rings before we dive into that a little later on this week. And then we'll also dive into the Blues a little bit later on this week, but we'll also look at the game right now. But before we get to that, we have to discuss eBay Motors. Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors is everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. From superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and so much more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. Over 100 million parts for your number one ride or die. You will always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guarantee Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or you'll get your money back because with eBay Motors, you are burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. All right, we're back here on this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. I'm Hunter Hodes, joined by Patrick Damp. So this week, 
two games for the Penguins, two road games for the Penguins. It starts on Wednesday, Little Caesars Arena against the Detroit Red Wings. And for those that do not have Sportsnet Pittsburgh, you are in luck. You can watch this on TNT, nationally televised game. Pat is already celebrating. I am also celebrating with that. That should be a fun game. You look at the Red Wings lineup and they're one and one to start the year. They've scored quite a few goals. This team, it's time to start seeing, I think, some progress in the quote-unquote Iser plan. You know, this is a franchise that hasn't made the playoffs in seven years. They've made a lot of moves these past two off seasons to get back into the race. They were in the race for a good chunk of last season until about the trade deadline where they sold off some of their assets, including Tyler Bertuzzi. They traded him to the Bruins, but they didn't get it done. This year, they make even more moves. They signed JT Comfer. They bring in Daniel Strong. They bring in Alex DeBrincat. Those are just three of the many moves that they made. But you look down this lineup, Dylan Larkin is still there. He's awesome. DeBrincat, we've already discussed a little bit. JT Comfer, Andrew Kopp they brought in last year. They got Joe Valeno there. This is a team that really needs to show some progress this year, or I think the Heat could really start getting up there on Steve Eiserman. But this is definitely a Red Wings team that can score, and the Penguins are going to have to be aware of that. Yeah, this is a solid team. And the way I look at them, uh, they have the great equalizer in net in Vili Husso. I think Vili Husso's great, and he's due for a big breakout year. And what better time to do it than against a powerful offense like Pittsburgh? But you're right. At the same time, I look at this these two games. You know, you just come off three games in five days. Now you've got two games, you know, Wednesday and then Saturday. So it's th- these are very bankable points. We've been talking about it all off season. We said Gino talked about it this week. Early season points are important, and Detroit and St. Louis are two very winnable games for this team. So right now, like I said last segment, when you got three big teams coming in not this week, but the week after, these are four points you want to put in the bank. Right. I mean, you definitely will try to want to want, obviously you want to win every game this season, though that's not going to be possible. But these two games here against teams that, in my opinion, I don't think will be playoff teams this year. You want to try to bank those because if you don't, you're going to have, you're going to be forced to bank points against playoff teams later in the year that are going to be tougher matchups. And speaking of that, you know, with the Blues, I don't really know what the plan is in St. Louis, to be honest. They kind of, you know, they got Kevin Hayes over the offseason, but they didn't really change much. I'm not really sure what they're trying to do. I mean, I know this is Robert Thomas's team now. I know this is Jordan Cairo's team now. They have Braden Shen there, who's the captain. Pablo Buchnevich is pretty solid. But they have Kasperi Kapan getting top six minutes, which I don't really think is a recipe for success. You look down their forward lines. I mean, Jacob Rona, I would love to see have a good year for them. Sammy Blay, former Penguin officer, Sunquist. I don't know. I just don't really see it with the Blues. I think they're going to not be good this year defensively. Colton Pareko at least brings some offense. But outside of that, you have Nick Letty playing top pairing minutes, which is just insane considering how old he is at this point and how his numbers have kind of fallen off. Tory Krug, I think, is a power play specialist at this point in his career. Justin Falk can bring some offense or bring some of it, you know, has some of it go back, excuse me, in the defensive zone. And then goaltending-wise, it's never a bad day to beat Jordan Bennington. Let's just say no. that, considering how much of a baby he is in net. But I, I don't know. I'm not a big fan of the Blues this year. Neither am I. Biggest thing I want to see this week is to see the three big trends I've seen happen over the first three games. I want to see the offense continue. Penguins currently sit second in the league with a plus five uh, plus five goal differential. Power play is tied for eighth in the league at 25%. And the biggest thing, power play, sitting all alone at number two with 90 percent 
I just want to see the two special teams units continue to get it done. And obviously we want to see a roster that's built to score, continue to score. Power plays looked great these last two games. They probably should have potted one against the Flames on Saturday. Evgeny Malkin hit the post on one of them. I believe that was the four on three, if I'm not mistaken. They had a couple other really good looks. And penalty kill, I've been complimenting it a lot more these last two games. I've noticed when the puck carrier on the opposing team has the puck passing center ice, the Penguins are being more aggressive. They're challenging the puck carrier at the blue line. They didn't really do that against the Blackhawks. They did it against the Capitals, and they also did it against the Flames. And what do you know? It's leading to better results because you're not just giving away free zone entries like you're passing out candy on Halloween to trick-or-treaters. So if they can continue that, even though they're playing the Red Wings and the Blues, who I don't think are going to be that good this year, the PK should continue to improve. Hovering at about 90% right now, power play is about 25%. You want to see those marks continue to improve. And heck, if your special teams units are thriving and you're getting good goaltending, that's a recipe for success in the NHL, especially if you can get competent five-on-five play, which the Penguins have gotten through three games this year. Yeah, and the power play must be – that unit in Todd Reardon must be fans of the Locked On Penguins podcast because last two games they made the exact adjustment I said I needed to see them make, and that was there was constant movement and not just puck movement. Guys were filling lanes. Guys were getting to open areas. They were finding the mismatches, and they were getting the chances that unit needs to get. Eric Carlson looked very much more defiant as the quarterback of the first unit. So those are all good signs early on. I think Mike Vellucci also listened to the show as well, considering the adjustments I think I've seen made on the PK with how aggressive they've gotten. They're challenging the shooters, whether it's at the point, whether it's at the half or heck, whether it's the slot area. And I know the Penguins like to collapse to that area and take away those high danger areas to make life easier on the goalie, whether it's Tristan Jari or Alex Delkovich, but in these last two games, I don't really think they've forced either goaltender to make a crazy save on the PK. Sure, Delkovich, excuse me, had to be really good against the Flames on Saturday, and sure, Tristan Jari had to stop a pretty decent chance on TJ Oshie on Friday, but there really weren't many other grade A chances, and I think that's a big credit to Mike Vellucci and his staff for getting the PK to be more aggressive, not allowing those free zone entries, getting the clears as well. And against Chicago, there were so many failed clearing attempts that it was like, what's going on here? Well, that looks to be cleaned up as well. So Mike Vellucci, if you listen to the show, thank you very much. But (laughs) (laughs) I think that will do it though for this episode of the Locked on Penguins podcast. Thank you all so much for listening to slash watching this one. Pat and I will be back on Tuesday, potentially with a guest for the show. We're still ironing that out. And on Wednesday, we will preview the game against the Red Wings and then recap it on Thursday, and then Friday this week, we'll preview the game against the St. Louis Blues. But again, that'll do it for this episode of the show. Thank you all so much for listening to slash watching this one. We'll be back with another episode on Tuesday.